Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today with episode 111 of the Ham Radio Podcast. And it is me, the Lone Vault Wanderer. I was going to make some Fallout Vault joke. Yeah, right when I said it, I was like, wait, (laughs) hold on. (laughs) Uh, It was meant to be. (laughs) This week, we don't have Carrick with us, though. We don't know what happened, to tell the truth. We just haven't heard from him. Something's probably up, because it's obviously not like him for him just to cut out without saying anything. So uh, we hope everything's going well with him. Hopefully we're not overreacting, yeah. but anyway, for those of you who want to get involved in the podcast, do consider supporting the Patreon to be a guest. On top of that, if you want to listen on the go, we have all our mobile links in the description down below. Now, alone, we have a couple of really good pieces of news. It's kind of a slow week when you really look at it, but they're all really good for what has happened. Yeah. And I really wanted to start personally with the whole Final Fantasy VII remake news. Now... For those who don't know about Final Fantasy VII Remake, it's a thing that's been teased over and over and over again. Square Enix, like, when they were doing a tech demo for PS3, I remember they did one where it was a supposed Final Fantasy VII Remake, but they were like, it was just for the tech demo. So now they're finally doing it, and people are excited, and I, they're doing it in an episodic structure, which kind of seems like a blemish in its own right. And now things have gotten even worse in my personal point of view, where we're seeing Square Enix make a change in developers. Everyone thought that Square Enix was developing Final Fantasy VII's remake, and it turns out it was CyberConnect 2. Now, these are the people, and they're not bad developers, but these are the people who made the Naruto Ultimate Ninja Storm games, and they were handling a bulk of the work for this Final Fantasy VII remake. Now, I can't think of many games where outsourcing in general has worked out quite well, but on top of all of that, this is a game that you cannot fuck up. Like, you simply can't <laughs> fuck this up. There will be no end to the jokes made of Square if they do mess up Final Fantasy VII Remake. So my question is, mm. why were you outsourcing it in the first place? Well, I, I guess a good question as well is why the need to change? Because if it did change, let's say, we don't, I, I don't know, but let's say the developer wasn't doing a good job or there were problems in development, you know, mm-hmm. does this change just validate the fact that Square should have brought it in-house in the first place? Mm-hmm. That, and apparently when I was reading it, it said, like, Square wanted to keep a closer eye on it. Now I'm like, you didn't want to keep a closer eye on it in the first place? Why? Like, something must have happened. Like, if they're outsourcing it to a... You know, I don't know whether this third-party developer has a good track record or they not. They do. I mean, people but... like the Naruto games. I like them just after, like, Ninja Storm 2, they, they became very repetitive. A lot of fighters fought the same. Yeah. Just, eh. But for them it's just, to it's make just a, interesting. A, a Final Fantasy game, I'm not saying it's impossible because I've learned my lesson when it came to Horizon. I was like, they made Killzone. No way they can make Horizon good. And Horizon was awesome. So it's like, I don't want to fully doubt them. But still, just the idea that they're outsourcing a game that is crucial to get right seems silly mm. especially yeah, I, th- I think the big the biggest thing for me is getting i don't know i don't know how many years it was in development with this other studio mm. but the fact that it changed that that must i think that's the biggest part here it was announced. why did it change so oh, drastically man. when was this game announced i mean it's been a while that's the thing too is if they're undergoing a big change in development i don't know and it's got to stagnate some of the development too because I look at Kingdom Hearts 3 as an example. They were going along fine, and then they switched engines. And they were re- they were basically redoing, the, or apparently carried over. But, I mean, to switch engines mid-development, I think that's a project in its own right. Mm. So it's like, why do they take on these projects 
like a Kingdom Hearts 3, like a Final Fantasy 7, that they have to get right, and they do this stupid shit with it. Especially when you're Square Enix. They have money. They have money. <laughs> they have so much money. They make a lot of money, yeah, actually. Like, yeah. what, are you, what are you doing? Especially if they think, okay, we're tight on money now. Invest in your products because you have a Marvel license. You're going to make money. <laughs> if you're not making it now, yeah. you're going to down the line. And I'm not saying throw the business away, but it's Final Fantasy. you you got to put your money there. That's one of Square Enix's golden franchises. And, and 15 performed well. So it only makes mm. sense to invest in the remake. I just I don't get that path of thought. doesn't seem like... Do we know way. when it's coming out or not? Uh... I've been saying for a while that I think Final Fantasy VII Remake, I think it was announced after Kingdom Hearts 3, but I've been saying for a while that it's it's going to come before Kingdom Hearts 3. Just I feel like KH3 is a fucking pipe dream at this point. I'm just waiting for yeah. it to be canceled because, I mean, as excited as I am for that game, I'm a giant Kingdom Hearts fan, all right? Like, ladies and gentlemen, don't think I'm overreacting here. But I, it's just, it's been so fucking long. Like, I almost don't care. But at the same token, they've been releasing so many remakes for the game that it's like okay they're they're clearly working on something to keep fans interested along the way but yeah. um i was saying that final fantasy 7 would come out next year i thought it might be this year but with the developer switch i do oh boy i don't think that that's gonna happen then so i'm, I'm going 2018 fall 2018 okay fair enough yeah I, this is not something that i've been following too closely mm. but that was the most curious part to me but so long as you know bringing it in-house actually means that the remake is is good and it's decent then they made the right decision in the end um I guess my, and i guess you just got to question worry, why they outsourced it in the my, first place yeah my worry is like they're outsourcing it all right they're keeping like an okay eye on it like yeah hey, you guys got it handled don't worry and then they bring it in house and they're like what the fuck happened you know and they, they're going over the whole project they're like what did you do here what is this and then they have to redo different parts of the games and that leads to when the actual gamers playing it this level of inconsistency in certain areas where some you see a large amount of focus, and then some don't have that same type of focus. It's almost like the the E three level. Remember how I've said that before, where you play yeah. a game and like the, it'll be like decent the whole way through, and then you have this extraordinary level because it's the E three level, and it got this crazy amount of focus from the team. Um, the E three, yeah. And so that's I'm a little afraid about that. I think we'll get a gameplay video this E three for Final Fantasy seven. Have you ever played the original one? Uh, no, you, you know me, the only Final Fantasy that I've ever played was Crisis Core. Okay. Weird place to start. That's but, not um, weird at all, actually. Yeah. That's a that's a good place to start. No, I mean... It's a great game. Was it because <laughs> of the story, or was it because of the gameplay? Because it's got both. It was it was because... No, it was... I had a PSP, and I was like, this looks like a cool game. Really, that's the only reason mm. that I played it. And just memories from it, it was... No, it was a, it was a lot of fun. Um... I, it was ages, like years ago. I don't even know how many years ago. So my memory is fading of it. Oh, but same. I, all I remember is that I had a great game. Yeah, that's, oh, I that's had a great all time. I remember too. I, I remember my friend had it on his PSP. And he was like struggling on a level. And then like I was like, this game looks cool. And I bought it. And yeah, same thing. I, yeah. I remember playing a very good game. I remember like you could accept different missions at different ranks and get rewards for them and stuff. I, I remember that, and that was kind of like the first, not the first of its kind, but for me personally, out of my yeah. experience, the first of its kind. Um, but that's, yeah, I don't I don't remember much from the game in general, though, which sucks, because Final Fantasy VII has, like, this wonderful expanded universe of, uh, well, you got Seven, then yeah. Crisis Core, and you got Advent Children. It's been a good ride, so that's why I'm really nervous for them to fuck up the remake here. 
I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> now that they're brought it in house, especially. That's true. I just, I, I guess, yeah. It's more so being a gamer and complaining for the sake of complaining, right? Because it's like, why wasn't it there in the mm. first place? <laughs> See, these are the questions. Well, That's why we so need simple. Carrick. These are the questions we bounce off of him, and then he goes in like a fucking ten minute spiel and, with big words. And Carrick's like, "Yeah, shut the fuck up, you're yeah, wrong." Yeah, he's like, "Yeah, basically, this is fucking normal, Matt, and you just need to shut the fuck up and get educated." <laughs> so here we go. I'm gonna sit you down, Matt, and take you to class. <laughs> I'm going to sit you there. Oh, no. I thought Carrick just messaged us on Twitter. It wasn't him. Don't worry. Oh, man. We can continue. All right. Yeah. That's just a quick bit of news, though. Let's talk about Pokemon, though. You and I, we like a Pokemon. Mm. And turns out that Pokemon Go is still really popular. Now, I, I still stand by my words. Yes. That game was fucking life-changing for me because that shit got me, like, I was getting outside all the time and shit. I was running around exercising. Yeah. And from then, like, I've I've always been pretty physically active. Um, it's funny, it took a fucking game to really kickstart it, because before that, I remember, like, goddamn, like, I, I'd go outside and stuff and, and play sports, but it was just, like, an every once in a while thing. Now, it's pretty common. But, um, mm. what happened was, for me, I stopped playing Pokemon Go, I don't know about you, because they fucked up the tracking, and I just stopped caring instantly. Yeah, I, I just, no, it was one of those things where it was fun for a while, and then, the kind of band bandwagon started to die down, and this was look. This was always going to happen, and I don't think it was indic- like there wasn't one thing that made me stop playing. Maybe it was the tracking for you, and maybe it was the tracking for many other people. But I think generally, the game just kind of lost its novelty factor. Um, so I'm looking at the numbers now. It went, and and this is the thing, right? It went down from 1.6 million users. Uh, between the July launch and the November 2016 launch. I think that's daily. And then it's now an average of 148,000 daily users. Wow. But that's but that's still very high, which is why they're still making so much money. Um, and I think it was just one of those things where people that never played mobile games... Like, I, don't, I still don't play mobile games. Um, Pokemon Go, maybe Fallout Shelter were the only ones that I yeah, played. Same. And that came out and I was like, oh, this is a cool novel concept we haven't really had this before especially with the, with the franchise that we know and love um even though niantic you know had a previous game that was similar i guess but yeah i just i just lost interest in it to be honest see that's and, the thing I, I always wanted to get back into it and i actually when was it I, I started it back up in my friend's house as a joke i turned on pokemon go and i remember fucking like looking and seeing the tracking was still not there. I was like, "You got to be joking yeah. me! Like, how is this still possible? It's been so long." And that's when I deleted. And it. I think there that are there are other things draw. as well. I mean, one, I didn't like the fact that you had to keep the app open to be able to walk. I, I thought that was just silly. Mm, um, if that. if I'm walking to work and I just want to check Twitter, nah, you, your steps don't count now. Like, it, it it was odd <laughs> to me. Um, and now recently they're adding actual battles with other trainers, which yeah. they probably should have had much earlier. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's it's one of those things where it'll I think it'll rejuvenate the the audience base again. Maybe it'll bump up a little bit more. Um, I think they have the second gen Pokemon in there now, and they're getting legendaries in there. So look, it's still making so, so much money. So what is it now? Uh, between July and November of last year, the game was making an average of a hundred and thirty dollars US a minute. Oh my a minute. God. And now it's making ninety nine point five two dollars. So it's <laughs> a thirty dollars. Still a lot it's of money, so even money. though they lost their you know ninety percent of their audience base. But that's insane. Yeah, because <laughs> here's the thing: is that um, 
There's an article from Video Game 24-7 describing just how profitable Pokemon Go has been. And, and yeah. some people might chalk it up to Pokemon Moon which and Sun, which I thought were great games. I, I loved Moon. I, I don't know if you played it, but I fucking loved Sorry. Pokemon Moon. Oh, yeah, you were waiting for Pokemon, what was it, Stars on the Switch, you said? I, it's coming, I'm telling you right now. Yeah, you think? <laughs> you still think? I, I Honestly, I, I think it is because it's... One of those things where I believe we've seen 3DS games being ported to the Switch. Don't don't quote me on that. But even if we haven't, I couldn't imagine that that it's that difficult. And it just seems like it's such an obvious choice mm. to have a Pokemon game on there, especially when Dude, imagine if it was know, like a gr- from the ground up Pokemon open world game. Like that's what uh, that's what everyone wants, uh, and that would sell systems. Well, everyone wants a uh, you know the Frankenstein's child of Skyrim and Pokemon. Really, that's what that's people a, it, want. Yeah. Exactly though, I don't know if you remember that fan made game Pokemon Generations. It was literally no. Uh, I only played it when it was in its early phases. I don't know what it's like now, but you'd run around as your trainer, and when you threw down your Pokemon, like a little arena itself would uh, form, and you'd fight That's like cool. in an action combat system. And when the battle was done, the Pokemon would jump back to you, and you keep running around the world itself. And it was like, yeah. I just want that on a bigger scale. And so that's what I hope they do with the Switch is because you'd have Zelda Breath of the Wild, which I've recently gotten back into, and I remember now just how much I fucking love that game. I mean, I'm, a, I'm about to get back into yeah, that. Yeah. Dude, it's so relaxing. I don't know what it is. Like, <laughs> I, I've been playing no. all these games, and like, I don't realize how intense they are until I play yeah. Zelda. I'm like, I, I put my feet up. I'm like, wow, I'm just, I'm really calm right now. Just enjoying myself. Yeah, right now. I really am though. And so that's why I'm hoping with with Pokemon, they don't just take Sun and Moon, which are, even though I think they're the best Pokemon games since, like, Emerald, in my opinion, uh, I I hope they don't just take it and put it on the Switch. I'll buy it, okay? I'll say that much. I will, but, like, I'd rather it be a from-a-ground-up brand-new Pokemon for the Switch. I think that would benefit Nintendo the most. Yeah, I think, well, I would love to see a ground-up Pokemon game, but I think either way, we're not seeing that for three, four, however many years. It's Mm -hmm. it's probably a fair, fair ways off. And Probably if in the meantime, to build up, you know, yeah. But if in the meantime they can say, you know what, we can actually port with relative ease. I know I'm oversimplifying, but we can get Pokemon Stars, game, which yeah. is Sun and Moon, onto the Switch, and at least you know give us something to play until then. And it seems as well that I don't know whether Virtual Console is coming later this year, but it's definitely going to be there in 2018 mm-hmm. because of the whole online system. Um, but then we have Virtual Console. We have a relatively new Pokemon game. We're loving life, man. Yeah. And we're set. So, yeah. for the profits of each financial year, uh, which ended February 28th of... Um, it says, the fiscal year for 2013 for Pokemon profit was $16.6 million. Uh, For 2014, it was $10.6 million. 2015, 18.4. Wait for it. 2016, 5.6. 2017, 143.3 million. That's insane. Yeah, and mind you that X and Y came out in 2014, and they performed pretty well. So you have 10 million that year in a, a year a Pokemon game launched. That's why people are saying, like, it's not just Sun and Moon. Yeah, they contributed. Yes, they're good games. But that's just how much Pokemon Go made in that one span of time. That's insane. Yeah, I was that's, about to say. Like, really I crazy. took a second when I saw that. I was like, "That's." They went from five point six, dude. Pokemon's dead. It's over for us. And then next time they're like one forty three point three mil, and they're like, "Yep, we're back on top, boys." But but you know what it is like. 
at the time when there were a lot of um, active Pokemon Go players, you, you need to, like, I think everyone needs to understand that most of those players weren't buying shit. I mean, and, and I think that was the beauty of Pokemon Go. It was a game that you actually did not need to buy anything. You could play with relative ease without spending a single dollar. And I think that's why most people probably didn't spend much, or if they did, it wasn't that much anyways. But the, it, there was always going to be a hardcore audience. They call, I think the, the term they called the sharks or the whales, it's something like that, where it's a small amount of people that play a mobile game, but they'll spend the most amount of money. And you would, you're always going to have that with Pokemon Go. And my assumption is that a lot of those players that spent the most money still haven't moved on. So they're still there spending, you know, the same amount of money as they did before, which is why I don't think, you know, we've seen such this, such such a huge drop off in revenue as we have seen with player base because a lot of those players that dropped off probably weren't spending money anyway. Yeah, no, that's true. That's a good point. And that shows just how dedicated the fan base is. I mean, it's easier. I, I look at Overwatch, although I spent $60, obviously, to buy the game. It's easier to give a developer your money when they're constantly providing new updated free content. So whenever they drop a yeah. new patch, whether it was the new Pokemon or uh, I don't know what else they've added, you know, the PVP you said's coming, it's easier to hop on, feel like, okay, let me just rejuvenate my supplies. Let me buy some some $5 here. It's just, just 5 bucks. But then millions yeah. of people across, or hundreds of thousands of people will say, more accurately, across the world will say, oh, it's just 5 bucks. And yeah. the same thing happens with, like, Overwatch. Oh, it's just 10 bucks. I'll just buy 10 bucks worth of loot boxes. A million players do that, and, and <laughs> you see Blizzard just counting the, the dollar signs, you know? So, yeah. And, and it's funny um, when players in that position are like, oh, $10, that's nothing. But then, like, when a game, a AAA game, for instance, is $10 overpriced, quote-unquote, people lose their shit. Yeah. It's, it's funny how perspectives yeah. can change so drastically. This should be so $50, not $60. <laughs> well, well rec- recently, right, there was a lot of discussion about Street Fighter 2 on the Switch, about how it was um, too expensive overpriced. What is it? And I'm not just... I'm not, I think it's... I think it's $30 US. Is it just Street Fighter 2? Is there, there something there special about some... that game? Because, like, I don't know why they're specifically mm. remaking that one. I've never been into Street Fighter, personally. Well, well Street Fighter 2 is, like, you know, the, the Street Fighter game that just kicked everything off. It's okay. probably the most recognized Street Fighter game, I'd say. And so what it was, I think it was in the Xbox, 3, Xbox 360. They had a remastered version of it. It was called The Ultimate Challenges, I believe, mm. or something like that. And then, essentially, they've ported both the classic uh, visual style and that upgraded version to the Switch. And they've added two new characters, but the two new characters are just Ken and Ryu, just kind of palette-swapped with similar moves to to Akuma. Um, But people are saying it's a little bit too expensive. And I think in Australia, the game is $60 Australian. So I'm, I'm assuming it's around $30 US or $40 maybe. I can't remember the specific amount. Right now. Keep going. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess the, the point is that, you know, I'm not saying that the, it, it's the right price or anything, but it's, like, how people's perspectives can change when it comes to something like that, and they'll say, that's too expensive. But then they'll be like, oh, but I spent $20, $30 on egg, egg incubators. or oh, $40, there you go. When, when I spent, like, however much money on egg incubators and Pokemon Go, and they're like, yeah, I'm happy with that. So it's just interesting, you know, when you get your player base invested in a game, those Play amounts that you're spending. Yeah. You and, and get and them through the door first, then you can hit them with the extra stuff later. Pretty much. And, and people aren't as 
I guess, upset about that. Like, if, if you were to say, they're like, okay, I'll pay for more. No, definitely. So, if you were to say going into, I don't know, let's say, let's say GTA, and you're like, all right, this game is sixty dollars, and you'll get in there and you'll have so much fun, and then you'll end up spending twenty dollars. Sorry, let's say at launch GTA was a hundred dollars, right? That that's an Australian price, so that's mm-hmm. why I'm using it. And let's say everyone was happy with that $100 price. And you go into there, you're having so much fun, and you end up spending $20 on DLC anyways. But imagine if, if GTA was set at $120 before launch. And people would have been like, well, well, that's way too expensive. But once they're in there, they'll realize how much they like the game, and they'll spend that $20 anyways. So I, I, I always find that fascinating. And, yeah, I, I, I guess it's kind of the the beauty of mobile games and that that can be priced so low or set you know essentially at free or nothing but still be able to extract a good amount of money from players mm-hmm. definitely true did you see the uh the splatoon 2 microphone setup oh, it's weird man yeah, what, that split out looks like out of the, the 80s fuck i couldn't believe no, that okay. i'm like how do you make a system like the switch and then remove on the handheld basically it's core component of of seamless transition between tv and portable gaming because that's what that whole setup thing does i mean especially because i can't think of any headset i own that has a wire long enough to sit inside the switch and it's like bro i use my phone too so why do you need my phone at the same time yeah i i don't i love my switch you know i've said that multiple times but Uh, so do I. i i i don't understand technically why the switch can't have voice chat like i, I don't know i never understood why there has to be a a, a separate app for it mm-hmm. like you know it when you dock the system it's just like any other console and, and i'm just trying to think because i'm not a developer why it's not actually possible or if it is you know why they're choosing to go it's with a separate app that is free anyways i know ps3 didn't have that that's the thing is it just becomes a hassle where like now when i let's say Switch gets that level of constantly being in the third-party loop. Whenever it's a multiplayer game, I'm not touching the Switch because I don't want to play multiplayer yeah. games on that because it's a hassle to go on now Discord or Skype just to talk to my friends through that game where, oh, I can get it on PS4, hop in a party, boom, good to go. It's all right there. Well, you know, what my thinking is that, you know, I, I think they said in the past that Netflix, Netflix, for instance, was coming to the Switch and it's just going to be like another app on there. My thinking is that this app itself will actually come to the Switch itself and not just be on the phone. That's my belief behind it. Especially when you're releasing a game like Splatoon 2. Like, that game can catch on. You know, that game's fun enough to to have some legs. And And, and you can't play it without people talking to each other. You can't. Exactly. Well, I guess you could, but, yeah, it's not That and ARMS, like, that'd be funny as hell to go into, like, a private match lobby with a friend, go in a party and play some ARMS. Even Mario Kart. Yeah, that too. Yeah, see, that's the thing. That's three games with pretty heavy multiplayer mechanics. It's like you know, Street Fighter Two, I reckon, will be fun. To, you know, there's fuck. There's a lot of multiplayer games that I think would really benefit from voice chat. And even if it's not, you know, you're probably not talking to random people, you know, publicly that are probably going to tell you to, to fuck your mother anyways. But <laughs> you're talking to your friends, right? That you, you'd probably want to speak to, and not, as you said, have to go through Discord. Like I was playing um, Mario Kart against Nova, and we were talking via Discord, and I'm just like, hmm. Something's not right here. <laughs> yeah, because then you gotta either mute your game, because then it'll come through your microphone, or your friend just got has to deal with the game audio coming through your mic, and then you hear his game audio come through the mic, and it's just a clusterfuck. Where if it's yeah. just a simple headset thing, then you're good to go. It's just it's. A I honestly think they'll add it though. I I, I can't imagine 
that because right now the, the software on the Switch, even though there's not that much of it, it's still really really good. And like the the layout of the Switch is nice, the menus, all of that, the UI, it's pretty solid. I can't imagine that the engineers at Nintendo can't implement a voice chat. I, I'm just I don't know though. But like, what I, I, made them sit down, look at that setup, and go, "Yep, we'll do that." <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like, like, I don't know. Not even just uh, you know, it'd be better is if you hooked it up to the app on your phone and there was a Bluetooth between your phone and the Nintendo Switch, so that the wire doesn't. Switch have to be doesn't have Bluetooth, does it? Probably not. I'm just thinking outside the box, yeah. so that it would be good. If the Switch had some type of wireless connection or something to your phone so that I could sit back with my phone in my pocket or whatever with my headset on my head and then Mm. the Switch is its own console attached to its dock or maybe it's on the go, whatever way you want to play. Um, It's just it seems not practical to me to have this set up for the headset that way. I I think it'll be a resolve eventually. and, And if it's not, then I'm wrong, but... I think it's like a lot of features like that and then the virtual console. Um, I, don't, I don't know whether it's because they, they pushed out the Switch a little bit too early. Like, to be honest, because they're selling so well, they probably set, like, gave it out the exact right time. True. Um, some people might argue that they could have done that at any time and they still would have sold well. But I think before the Switch came out, it was much less, much more of a risk factor. We didn't know that the Switch was going to be doing so well. And now it's Nintendo's fastest selling console. So maybe they had to get it out at that time. Maybe they did some data research and they did surveys to see when the best time it was you know, to release their console, you know, maybe in between major releases between other publishers and they needed to get it out before Scorpio came out, things like that. So... Maybe that they just that said, you know what, it. we need to get it out now. Um, and even though it doesn't have all these other features, we'll add them in later. Um, as because we intend the Switch to be like a really long-term console, so you know, even if people are still buying it one, two years down the track, that is though. It is no, wow. it was a huge risk. Yeah, it's like right yeah. between PS4 Pro, PS4, and the Xbox Scorpio, and Nintendo did technically launch at just the right time. Uh, my they, question, yeah. though, is will they have th- – that's, that's another thing. This E3 needs to be so big for them because now you already got the Scorpio, which is going to make some serious noise at E3, and Switch is going to have to oh, keep did you, up some did you see? Did you see um, Andrew Reiner's tweet about how Sony's li- he saw Sony's lineup of uh, games being released or being announced at E3, and he said, out of any publisher, it's the best? I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Like, and no, it doesn't doesn't surprise me as well. Dude, but because like he sent that, that like, he sent that tweet War, with such confidence. God of War, Spider Man, Death Stranding. Um, what else is there from them? Well, have a look. Have a look at his tweet. Right. So Andrew Reiner, um, who, if anyone doesn't know, he he works at uh, Game Informer. Game Informer still. Yeah, I thought he moved on. So he's the exact editor at Game Informer. His tweet was, Sony's lineup of E3 games may be the best I've seen from a publisher at the show. The list is just wow. So he's speaking pretty confident. Yeah, and Andrew, and usually, Andrew, Andrew usually is pretty reserved. <laughs> reserved, exactly. That's what I was going to say, yeah. So what, did, didn't Sorry. he, because I saw a tweet with all the games listed. Didn't he have that to follow up? Did he? I'm pretty sure. Uh, oh, here we go. Yeah, so... Days Gone, Death Stranding. Well, that's not coming out for four years, so why does that count? Uh, Detroit Dreams, Gran oh, Turismo, right. God of Detroit. War. Detroit, holy shit. Yeah. Knack 2, Spider-Man, The Last of Us 2, Uncharted. Um, 
But to to be fair though, like these games are like a lot of these games are already revealed last year, so I don't think it's going to have the same impact. But the quality and the quantity that they have it that's insane. Yeah, that's so many great games. I, I was saying that like it's clear twenty seventeen like PlayStation is going to dominate exclusives. Would you agree with that? Because like a couple of people somehow tried to disagree with me on that, and I'm like I don't. I don't that, see that PlayStation how was going to have the best exclusive. Yeah, this year. At, oh, at the very without moment. a doubt. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a couple of people were arguing me, arguing me on that. I was like, "How is that? Where, where, what games are you playing? Because all that Xbox has had this year is Halo Wars Two, I think. And it's like, like, and I've been, uh, like, I've owned an Xbox console, when, and now I just game on the PC. But you know, it's kind of like the console that you have. It's not fanboyism, but you still want to see it do well yeah. when that's the only console you have. And I've said for so long. Dude, look at all the amazing exclusive PlayStation's getting. Like, there's, there's no question that they have the better exclusives, which is why you've seen Microsoft go down there. All right, we need to get backwards compatibility. We need yeah. to get, you know... Um, it's going to work out in their favor because what's going to happen is yeah. you're going to have that Game Pass, you're going to have that backwards compatibility, and when they yeah. start rolling out those exclusives and you start having heads turned to your console, especially when it's the Xbox Scorpio mm-hmm. now... If done right, you're going to have a feature-complete system upon launch along with all these great services offered, and it's going to look... And, and I mean, yeah. I'm simplifying it, too, where I'm saying, like, yeah, you just got to roll out these big exclusives. Well, you know, they got to come out soon, too. They got to actually be intriguing, that type of stuff. And, and, and it's not like they can say at, at any one time, all right, let's do some exclusives. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the turnaround is four years. Like from the moment that they really started investing in exclusives, you're talking about three, four, five-year turnaround. Mm. And Sony's been doing this for so long. So every year they have something new that's already been in development for three-plus years. But with Microsoft, let's say two, three years ago, they looked at their old libraries and in the future and said, fuck, we need something. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the, the tip-off point is going to be maybe this E3, they'll show something, maybe next year's E3. But... You know, it's. I don't think you can. They would have made that console without there yeah. being some big exclusives for it. So Agreed. there's going to be at least, I'd say, two to three big games for Microsoft. There's got to be. That would make the most yeah, sense. I hope there's like four. There needs to be a really good showing. Yeah. Because you know, you know exactly how Sony's press is going to go. It's just going to be like, here's all our games. Yeah. And they're probably not even going to focus on PS4 Pro. No, no, definitely not, dude. My fingers are crossed that Spider-Man comes out this year. Oh my god. I'm so mm. fucking excited for that game. Like, everyone's, like, talking, like, yeah, Days Gone, yeah, Death Stranding. I'm like, Spider-Man PS4, let's go. Let's, I'm so hyped. I can't wait, man. Because the last one wasn't that good, was it? What's up? Was it was the last uh, Spider-Man not that great? I can't remember. Last Spider-Man game was Amazing Spider-Man 2, and that was definitely one of the worst games I've ever played. Um, there's been some decent Spider-Man games, like uh, Shattered Dimensions was good. It's so few and far between, and the good Spider-Man games are like they—they're just like average, you know. So it's like there hasn't yeah, really been that Arkham Spider-Man game, and I mean, what better mm. developer than Insomniac to take a crack at making it a a good franchise, right? I mean, yeah, fair enough. Fucking Sunset Overdrive and Ratchet and Clank. I'm so excited to see their take on it. Yeah, maybe we get a new Sunset Overdrive. Oh, I don't know, dude. That would be That'd awesome. Be cool. I mean, I don't know how Insomniac could do both, but that would be great. Insomniac would really be a two-timer there. I mean, they they were a big PlayStation dev, then they, quote, betrayed Xbox and, you know, went and made Sunset Overdrive. <laughs> then they're like, yeah, we're back, man. Here's here's Ratchet and Clank remake. And then, oh, we also got Spider-Man. It's like, now we're back on Xbox. We're doing this exclusive. That'd be fucking wild. You know wild. what? They're, they're just, they're, they're keeping up 
for their own interests, you know? The yeah. fact that they can work simultaneously on exclusives for two different, like, the two major platforms. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's like, you, you can't be in a better position than that yeah. as a third-party developer. That's awesome. Yeah, they're just open to all the different ideas. Speaking of games that uh, we'll be looking at this fall, Shadow of War will be one of them. We thought we were seeing it a little bit sooner, such as two months from now, but it turns out it's going back to October. So hmm. the fall lineup begins to crowd. How excited were you for Shadow of War alone? You know what? I This is the thing. I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't read the books, mind you, but I've watched the movies like th- I don't know how many times throughout. Um, and I, Shadow of Mortal is literally, as I came back from E3, it was going to be the game that I played. Because um, I, I think you've noticed this year that I've really started to, to play many, many more games. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of a tough balance between, all right, I've got to play games that have come out this year to stay relevant. I've also got to play some of my back catalog that I've never played. And also as well, I need to play games to get me prepped for a game that's going to come out later. So for instance, I'm finishing up Wolfenstein now, which how the fuck haven't I played that game before? Um, <laughs> you like but, it? No, it's really good. Yeah, I, I fucking cool. love it. Um, but, you know, Shadow of, uh, of Mortal was one of those ones where, yeah, when I come back from E3, I'd have enough time to, to play it and get prepped for, for Shadow of War. But now, now that it's delayed, that's, you know, I have so much time. There's no excuse now. But mm-hmm. that's going to be the first game that I play on, on my way back. It, it seems like a game that I would love, and that's that's the issue it's, with me. But uh, It reminds me of Breath of the Wild in, in one respect. And, really? Uh, it, it's not like an open-world perspective. It's the, it's the type of game that you can put, like, 50 hours in, not beat the story, and feel content with your time with the game. Because it's, it's not like a story game. Same thing with Breath of the Wild. Yeah, it's got a story. It's not a story game, though. The, the fun... I think from Breath of the Wild comes from like how dynamic the world is, the NPC interaction, just those really cool moments scattered about. But um, this with- is the thing that confuses me. Maybe you can clarify this. Okay. When I look, I usually look at uh, how long to beat.com, which tells you yes, roughly how long it is to beat site. a game. Oh, it's a Anytime fucking amazing about the start of game on my backlog, I'm like, yeah. all right, hold up. Like, <laughs> how much am I so, putting so- into this? It doesn't make sense, though, when you say that you can just play this game for 50 hours, right? And then even some people doing completionists uh, playthroughs, they have like 76 hours in this fucking game. But then if you just want to do the main story on average, it's 15 hours. And then the main plus some side quest is 23 hours. Why is there such a big difference? Why is that? Um, my guess, and mind you, I haven't played this game since its launch year. So that was 2014, but I put a good yeah. amount of time of it. Uh, number one platinum trophy. I think I put 40 hours in to get that, though. So that's still a lot, but that's not 70. Um, Number two is a lot of things just respawn, so you can just keep going. But I don't see how that's a completionist thing, because you're not completing anything. Because the world's dynamic. It's, you know, you're constantly making rivalries and chasing down people who have killed you or people who you've almost killed and have gotten away. Um, are going to come back cool. to haunt you. That's the thing. It's such a cool system, and I don't say this with an ego, but if you're good at the game, it is irrelevant. It is just a really good Lord of the Rings game because for me, I barely died. Um, enemies could not get away from me because I fucked their day up. So <laughs> at the end of the day, I was just slaying orcs with an Arkham combat system, and that was enough to make me happy, but I yeah. didn't get to see much of the dynamic nature of the game because I was just killing everything. <laughs> That's all there was to it. Fair enough. 
So sounds like a blast to be honest. Yeah, but yeah, I'm that's that's gonna be the game I play next. To be it honest, just, it looks like Shadow of Mordor amped up. Shadow of War does. Um, you know, Sweet. like those sieges on the castle that they showed in that gameplay trailer. That's the thing. They kind of did what um, I was reading, and someone made a good point. They kind of did what Arkham Knight did, where they're like, "Hey, check out this awesome game you're looking forward to." Everyone's hyped, and like a month later, like it's delayed. Sorry. <laughs> You know, we've been seeing a lot of delays recently. So we've got Red Dead, this, I don't know how many other games that were delayed. but Two look, big games, it's all, if anything. Yeah, two big games. I, I think while it's obviously not ideal and people get upset, in the end, you, you know it's for the you know, for the better. Yeah. You'd, you'd rather play a great game than a game that's broken and it takes two months to fix. I can't, you know, regain its public image. It's That's never going to be a good thing. they had a pretty short marketing cycle maybe they thought just delaying it would would do it better because it doesn't Plus seem it's to only have, by a couple of months yeah it doesn't you know? seem to have caught as much traction as i expected there's definitely attention for it there's definitely people excited for it don't get me wrong there but it doesn't seem to have that level of people talking about it, people being excited for it like shadow of mordor yeah but shadow of mordor really came after launch i remember being so shocked at the ratings for that game that reviewers were giving it i was like oh my goodness but there was some shady shit going on behind the scenes with that. Wasn't there, like, paid reviews for Shadow of Mordor? I don't, I don't think they were paid reviews. I think it was... Or paid to make um, a video. Paid, paid promotions, yeah, to make a video, That's and there was. wasn't disclosure. I think that was the issue. That was it. You're right, you're right. Yeah, I think it was... Yeah, I remember it was PewDiePie that, that had... One, well, at least PewDiePie was named, but there were probably others, <laughs> Of course others he was. <laughs> yeah, of course he was, because like, that's, that's all they want. Yeah, but... Um, I'm, yeah, I'm still excited for the game, um, but I just I can't get crazy hype for it. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of other Fair games enough. that have my attention right now, and Shadow of War just looks. So people were asking me, I don't know why I don't look like a, a Shadow of Mordor type of YouTuber, but they were like, "Why aren't you covering this?" I'm like, "It looks like the same fucking game. Like it just looks mm. like a, a you know bigger you know you're fighting dragons and shit." But which is I'm not saying it's a shortcoming, but it's just like. I, I don't know. Yeah, it might not be a bad thing. I mean, that could be exactly what the game needs if the first one was good. You know, why break what's why That's fix what's thing. broken? Yeah, it's but. just it's not going to be anything crazy new. Anything that really uh, changes yeah, it for okay. me. Like, I guarantee when the game comes out, I'll just be like, "Yeah, this was fun. It was a good game." But like, I'm not going <sighs> to shit my pants like a lot of people. I feel. Yeah, fair enough. Um, talking about E3 delays, leaks. Bethesda Game Studios apparently, emphasis on apparently, <laughs> take this information with a grain of salt, um, had a little E3 leak. Now, this came through a 4chan post. Now, 4chan is a host to a lot of leaks, both fake and real. You never really know until the deal is done. Some things said on this leak were pretty accurate to speculation, but some things he said stood out that have not been speculated about before. So allow me to bring up the information because we really haven't had any leaks about Bethesda Game Studios in ages, but uh, Bethesda's E3 conference in general. Um, Unlike last year, some buffoons fucked up that E3 for them, but um, besides that, (laughs) um, I'll read the initial Reddit post. I'm a leaker at Bethesda and I wanted to lay out their plans for the future for you guys and give you some E3 leaks. Firstly, I'm speaking only about Bethesda Game Studios here, not the publisher. There will be a few announcements at E3. One is a major title from Bethesda themselves as well. 
Two major announcements are Fallout 4 VR and Starfield. They're working on Skyrim VR as well, but they aren't sure if they are going to show it yet since they don't want to take the light away from Fallout 4 VR or Starfield. On the Starfield, the game has been in conceptual stages since around Fallout 3's release. It went into pre-production officially, very low-tier pre-production after Skyrim's release. After Fallout 4's release, it went into full pre-production, and after all the DLC was out, they sped it into full development. The game is going to be a sci-fi open-world RPG in typical Bethesda first-person fashion. It's going to feature 5 to 10 races. There's still some debate on what should and shouldn't go in and takes place in the Fallout universe just so far in the future and far away from Earth that it'll only be mentioned in hints. No, wait, get this. This is part of an ongoing planned interconnected universe of every Bethesda franchise. They gave hints of this by implying the Brotherhood of Steel created Nernroot in Fallout 4. They're getting a little wacky with the lore and using Elder Scrolls time wounds to justify lore inconsistencies. Basically, Fallout is the beginning of the timeline, Starfield is the middle, and Elder Scrolls is far future. The game will feature space travel and hub worlds as well as RNG worlds. It's meant to be a test into more sandboxy slash Minecraft-ish AAA thing, but with Bethesda gameplay and still actual design worlds and quests. They have another fantasy game, of a, fa- uh, of a famous franchise in the works, Game of Thrones, and pre-productions of Elder Scrolls 6 and conceptual for Elder Scrolls 7, which is Todd's magnum opus. So that's the initial, okay. that's the initial post. I'd like to get your hot take on this right off the bat. What are you feeling right now? <laughs> well, one, that is bullshit. Because two, I, when you were describing the whole yeah, Elder Scrolls is in the past and then Fallout and then Starfield's no, in the no, future. No, Fallout's in the past. Elder Scrolls oh, is the future. So- How about that? Okay. <laughs> I was like, I swear Shoddy Cast did a video on this. Like, why does this sound fucking mm. familiar? And I and I have this feeling that whoever's doing this leaking watched that Shoddy Cast video and just decided to repurpose it. Honestly, like that, that's what I'm feeling right now. If you if you go on a Shoddy no, Cast, I know they which talk one you're about, talking about. I, I they talked about like the the Nern route you find in Fallout 4 and how they're linked. Like he made an actual legitimate yeah. case to connect the two franchises. And I'm feeling that it's getting too samey to that. Mm. Because, no, no, I don't think it's. I don't think there's going to be some sort of of uh, BGS cinematic universe that everything is Honestly, interconnected. That well, okay, let's be real for a sec. I know people love their precious Fallout, their precious Elder Scrolls. It would be kind of cool though, <laughs> especially if the new IP took place between them. Both. On paper, on paper, on it paper, would. Yes. I think it would be cool. But then you, you know, you're going to have like law enthusiasts thinking, oh, you know, this is probably the worst thing they could have done for <laughs> yeah. for the law of these franchises. Keep them separate. I, I, I think it would be cool. Again, them, on paper, and then Bethesda can always blame the time wounds. <laughs> nah, it's bullshit. Nah, I, I reckon this is this is fake. I mean, I wouldn't blame him. He's got a lot of information. That's the fucking thing. It's kind of wild. Um, he said that Starfield's coming out this year. The HBO game's coming out, or rather, the Game of Thrones game. It's coming out 2020, Elder Scrolls 6, 2023, Fallout Project 2025, and Elder Scrolls 7 in 2030. It'll be 13 nah, so years from I, now, so I'd be 10. I'd be 34 at that point. Holy shit. Starfield's definitely not coming out this year. You don't think I, so? I'm almost... No. No, no way, dude. Dude, like, Fallout 4 came out in late 2015. It hasn't even been two years. I think I, I think there's going to be an announcement or a tease of some kind. Not just because I it could want be an, like, but it. Just, it could be an announcement, just may, but we're talking about release. Yeah, we're talking release. I could see it being 2018, but I wouldn't be shocked with how much they've expanded at 2017. I wouldn't be. I'd be excited. Mm, I don't know. Um, what else? We got 
there's a secret partnership between HBO and Bethesda to work on a Game of Thrones game. It'll be the next AAA game after Starfield. If you're asking about Elder Scrolls 6 or 7, Elder Scrolls 6 is planned to take place in Akavir. It's going to have Bethesda's biggest design open world yet. We'll feature an upgraded and highly advanced version of the settlement system from Fallout 4. Basically, the plot is you're a prisoner sent on an Imperial colonial ship to the continent of Akavir. The reason the settlement mode will be a thing, but even bigger, is because you're going to be building colonies on said continent. Um, the game will feature four new races, but they're not sure if they want to include them all as playable. One of the races is human, the other is the first Asian race in the franchise, and it's based off the Japanese. The second race is a humanoid monkey race. Third is debated to be... Uh, there is debated by the team to be either a humanoid snake race or a parasite race, and the fourth race is a humanoid tiger race. Uh, the reason why Todd's Elder Scrolls Six uh, isn't, or rather, the reason why Elder Scrolls Six is Todd's magnum opus is because he wants Seven to take place in the entire continent of Tamriel with current technology. He doesn't want to try and build it because he wants the game to be fully destructible. A return to the roots and advanced RPG mechanics, yet still have more of the action-y combat, and wants to make it the size of the world to be more accurate to canon, which none of the games post-Daggerfall have done. If you want to know more about what the story is going to be, there's some debate, but the team is leaning towards the Dwemer have been preparing for an invasion of Tamriel in a pocket dimension, and the game's gimmick, other than taking place in all of Tamriel and advanced customization, will be the inclusion of flintlock pistols, blunderbusses, etc., and steampunk elements because of the Dwemer. Sound powerful? Do, do, do you think this is real, Matty? Like... No, like I, I, I think it's, I think it's, <laughs> I think there's true elements to it um, that anyone could have that, speculated yeah, that anyone about. Could speculate about. But like, here's the thing: is like no one's even talking about Elder Scrolls 7. That's the thing. And, like, he's giving interesting ideas to it. That's the only reason why I'm like, hmm. You know. No, I, I think this is a great, you know, conversation starter. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, all the stuff about, like, excluding the Game of Thrones talk, all the other stuff is pretty much stuff that any Bethesda fan that follows them, even loosely, would be able to speculate about and, and make a somewhat, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, I guess realistic looking prediction or something or leak, but I don't know. A Game of Thrones game with Bethesda, that'd probably be the right choice. But is that really happening? I mean, I they know. said they were going to do it, and then they decided to make Skyrim instead. Now Elder Scrolls Six is far off enough where they could take on a Game of Thrones game per se. But I mean that that one's the most that's definitely the most fishy for me. Uh, more on Starfield, he says. Uh, the game features 12 well-designed companions, similar to the companions in Fallout 4, all of which who can be romanced. And there's generic followers, similar to Skyrim, which can also be romanced slash married as well. Uh, the game will not have a limit on the amount of people you can romance, just like in Fallout 4, meaning you can have the uh, bunch of alien waifus, if that's what you desire. And there will also be alien prostitutes. Uh, Did they use the term waifu? Oh. Yeah. Okay, come on. I think that's a dead, dead giveaway. <laughs> The game will, will actually feature five separate quest lines based on which faction you join. One quest line is reserved for loners if you don't actually like any of the factions and want to tackle what's going on on your own. So that just sounds like the New Vegas yep. story. Yep, that's what I said. Hey, come on. I, yeah, let, let, yeah. No, this is too fishy. And look, it could be wrong, but unless, unless BGS come out and announce a Game of Thrones partnership, 
the rest of this is just BS. It could, it could have some like elements of truth, but again, any regular Bethesda fan could do that. Yeah, no, I agree. It's just something worth discussing, I guess, just because we haven't had any type of E3, quote, leak. Yeah. W- would you want a Bethesda cin- I use the term cinematic universe because I'm currently making my way back through Marvel Cinematic, but would you want some sort of interconnected Bethesda universe of games? Would I want it? <laughs> uh, on paper, it sounds pretty cool. I- I'd rather them yeah. keep... Um... Here's the thing, though. It kind of sounds like uh, Cyberpunk and The Witcher. Um, mm. I don't know. Have you played the... How much have you played The Witcher 3? Not much. There's a point where Siri and Geralt meet up and, like, Siri can go through time and stuff. And she's like, yeah, we hid in this one world. And she starts describing it. And she's clearly describing cyberpunk. Ah, okay, so that's cool. it's but, obvious yeah, that when cyberpunk comes and out eggs. that there's going to be probably some type of nod towards Siri. Maybe she'll pass by in a crowd. Maybe she'll just, like, stop you and be like, hey, can you tell me where so-and-so is? And then that's it. That's all there is to Look, and I don't mind that. Like, again, when you go 4 by 4 and you, and you see the Nern route in, um, I can't remember what the name was, the, the Brotherhood fucking ship. Mm. The, the Pridwin. What's it called? Yeah. Pridwin. Thank you. Um, like, those kinds of Easter eggs and, and references are cool. But when we're talking about an interconnected universe where you're trying to convince a hardcore law theorist or fan, or even a casual fan, that these all these games is, exist in the same universe, like, no. Come on. Yeah, I mean, there's other things he said there's in this too, post. There's too many plot holes. I remember reading in this post, he said something that I thought was believable, um, that, like, they're going to do a similar thing for Doom with Wolfenstein the Old Blood, like that kind of short story experience. That that does, that wouldn't surprise me, though. That would be that, cool. Yeah. I never thought that. Of would that would be cool. Doom, Doom needs something, dude. Like, oh, I, I don't know why... Maybe we'll we'll see it announced at E3, so I'll eat my words then. But I don't know why we haven't seen any DLC for that game. Yeah, like we we had the one, multiplayer stuff. But the one thing that I thought was particularly fishy about this post was he also said that Dishonored 2's expansion is likely being canceled in exchange for Prey to do an expansion there. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, that, was, makes, that makes no sense. But that's the thing, is dude, it's been seven months since Dishonored 2. I I mean. You know, oh, is it a little too late for an expansion? Dishonored Dishonor 2 would benefit from one of those short out. story things. Imagine if they just did that for all their games. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Cool little I'm trick. just trying to think of... I don't know if Google's going to be able to help me here. Um, when Dishonored 1's DLC, like the actual story DLC eventually came out. But no, it's, this is not going to be helpful. Anyways... Um, yeah, they said they're gonna set Elder Scrolls Six in Akavir, because then you could put the VI from Akavir in. Not because, but he's saying like for marketing purposes, you could also put like you know the VI and then like it would say Akavir, and then the all the words except the VI would or letters would fade out, and it would just say Elder Scrolls Six. Mm-hmm. Kind of genius. <laughs> I think that would be cool. No, oh, th- this is a very. Um clever interesting post to be honest like what 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 he's actually saying or what she's actually saying again on paper sounds really really cool but is it real does that mean it's real mm-hmm. no like there are definitely That's elements in this no, post that i'd like to see there's no uh proof to this at all it's just kind of like you said i think you described the it best it's a conversation starter it's definitely like yeah, all right what, what is bethesda game studios doing what is bethesda doing for e3 that type of stuff yeah 
I mean, but hey, we we could be wrong, Maddie. <laughs> I mean, if this okay, I hope what Bethesda's first option would be is if they were having so many lore consistencies that instead of interconnecting a universe, they instead decided let's hire like a new writer, or you know something along those lines that could help you with your lore inconsistencies a lot. I would hope that, yeah. that they would look internally first before drastically tra- transforming two franchises, potentially three, if Starfield's actually connected as well. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm usually not one that's really nitpicky with, like, law inconsistencies and retcons. Same. Like, I, I'm a big fan of, of Dragon Ball, and the, and the amount of inconsistencies that that series has is insane. But you look past it. But there's, there's a difference between a, a loophole and an inconsistency um, sorry, like a, a plot hole to trying to interconnect two obviously different game franchises or three. This is what they're doing now. If it's Starfield, Elder Scrolls, and Fallout, like that—that's just so far beyond. You know, like th- there's no way you can even try and convince any fan that that's but, real mean, in any sense. Here's the thing, though: we gotta genuinely ask. Like, in a way, is it? Oh, I'm not sounding like conspiracy theorist. I'm more so just posing the question because they did put the Nern root on the Prid one. You know, why would well, you do that? Look. I mean, is that, that's not, I don't view that as just a little, a little reference. I, I think the obvious answer is that that's like just an Easter egg. Like any other game has Easter eggs. Um, if you want to get complex, like you, you, you're talking about alternate universes and you're getting into physics. I, I, look, there, there could be, that you know, if you believe that there are you know different universes and there are alternate realities, then if, if that's the premise, then this kind of inter- interconnection between these games you know would make more sense. But yeah, I, what if it was? Treated, I just think they're Easter eggs. What if it was treated kind of like Nazi zombies in a way? You got this main story, but then you got this side sub story that almost interconnects them, and like only the hardcore, only those who really pay attention would find out about them. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, With that at all? Just kind of a fan thing? I think it'll be cool. Again, these are all things that sound really cool on paper. Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering about the the execution. Oh, yeah, Um, I can already promise you, yeah, most people will be like, fuck that. But I'm just thinking, rather not most people, I'd say most hardcore fans of either Fallout or either would be like, no keep them out because they play those games for certain reasons and it might taint why they like a certain series it's just it's yeah. cool to think about if they were all actually no no, no. honestly though i don't think there's like so long as they don't try and come out so explicitly with like a starfield game that's meant to be connected to elder scrolls and fallout so long as they don't do that then i have no issues with like small little easter eggs and references here and there that gives like hardcore theorists just enough uh, information to kind of make their own interconnected mm-hmm. theory of how all these worlds are created. I, that's fine. I mean, that, that encourages fan discussion and, you know, th- conspiracy theorist boards and stuff like that. Um, so I don't mind that at all. And there there are so many games that do that effectively that will actually not address any plot holes or address those inconsistencies just to let fans speculate. You know what I mean? I can't remember what the recent example in that regard was, but... Um, Games do that all the time, and you know, if fans are having fun with it, that just benefits the, the publisher and developer. And I just thought of um, one other thing, is that Tidux, that industry insider yeah, yeah. who does leaks, did say there is a space game coming 
2017. I asked him again. I was like, is this still current information? He said, yeah, like this is still happening. And the, so you reckon it is Starfield? I, I'd imagine. I can't guarantee Fuck. that. I, I just, I'd imagine. Now, that doesn't confirm that, oh, Starfield is going to be this interconnected universe game. I kind of doubt that. But was, what, was he referring to Prey? No. He said Fall 2017. Mm, I don't know, man. He was, he was not referring know. to Prey. I, I just, I can't imagine BGS has another game come out this year. I just, I, maybe because they have expanded, maybe because they have the Montreal studio that, you know, realistically they can release a game two full years after Fallout 4 instead of three or four like they usually did. Didn't but, they say they want to get more out? I don't remember what interview it was, but didn't they say, like, we want to start having a consistent presence because they didn't want yeah, that no, whole Fallout definitely. 4 thing, like, pre-launch or pre-reveal even, where, like, fans are crawling down their throat, announce Fallout 4, announce Fallout 4, announce Fallout 4, you know, and constantly bugging them, built up way too much hype because they were quiet for way too long. Um, You know, do they want to maybe remain consistent where even if they're reviewing the game a little early... Um, they they obviously, or Todd rather, said, I want to do it as close to the game's launch as possible, but that means he doesn't have the full call. That usually means that probably the upper part of Bethesda and uh, ZMX probably makes the call when these games get revealed because they're like, okay, this is a new IP. Maybe we got to market this a little bit more. Yeah. yeah look, I, I could really see a reveal at A3 and have it like a year in, um, in build-up. I don't, I don't think like a new IP is going to be able to do the exact same thing that Fallout 4 did because people weren't clamoring for that. For, for People are never going to be clamoring for a new IP mm-hmm. as they did with a pre-established franchise like Fallout. Yeah, um, yeah. it's... I don't know. It's interesting to think about. I don't know. It, it, if, if it was the case, though, that we get to E3 and Starfield is announced and it says it's coming in fall of this year and it's a space game, would that make you change your mind on everything else it's said by this leaker, quote-unquote? What do you mean? Would it would it change my mind? Like, would I believe? Like, oh, the internet. The rest of it's true. Uh, it depends on. Okay, like if they're going to reveal the game, it's obviously going to have a gameplay demo. And if what they show is a lot of what he mentioned, then yeah, I'd be like, okay, you know, there's mm. there's some truth to this. More eight hour words, yeah. Well, because like I think of it like with the um, Fallout for script leak from Kotaku when it first came out it was a day after the Survivor 2299 was a hoax and they're like we got these scripts and they're legit and I'm like I don't believe that for a second just because of what happened yeah and then yeah finally the game was revealed and they briefly described the intro of the game and, and some of the themes and you looked at the script for the game and it was like oh wow like you know that's that was the same that was the exact same so yeah and that, but that's the thing though if, if this had come you know from a little bit more reputable site and we actually saw something physical, like a picture of some sort, mm-hmm. then there'd be more credence to that. But like just a random post on 4chan. I... Yeah, and what's sad is it's... Uh... Oh, not rather, what's sad. People are interested. People want to know and like try and prove it. Oh, yeah. It's true. But what sucks, rather, is like a lot of people are like, yo, is this legit? And I'm like, just take it with a grain of salt. Like It's definitely good for it's the best thing good for just we, keeping we've an been eye on burnt it. too much with like even though i like looking back with retrospect it was the most fun that we've had the survivor 2299 yeah you know that was like such a legitimate looking leak and it hasn't been anything that it as good fake. as that since there is no not, there hasn't there's not been a... but that's the thing when it like when you look at that and then you compare it just to a random post on the internet if 
you find it hard to trust anything now because that kind of built us up so much and it was revealed that it was fake. Like, you don't want to go through that experience again. So anything else that comes up, unless it there's actual legitimacy behind it, then you don't bother. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's just been quiet for the E3 leagues. I'm kind of shocked, too. Yeah. It's just been Assassin's that, that Creed. That's that a good all job. I can think of. Need for Speed's coming? <laughs> yeah. Gee, I'm so excited. I actually am. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I, I haven't I, cared I, about Need for Speed since I was like 12. You know me. Like, I, there was one period in my life when I just played racing games, like Need for Speed Underground, uh, man, Most Wanted. Those games were my shit. So, I think I played Most Wanted you know, on my PSP, I think. Is that the one? Of course. Of course you did. Yeah. Yeah, of course <laughs> I did. Yeah, I would play yeah, I would sacrifice my enjoyment of the title because I had to play on the go trademark. That's great. They should make a new console that allows you to play games on the go. Yeah, it would be pretty fucking dope. Like let me right. let me play on my T V when I'm not on the go. It'd be sick. <laughs> I don't know That's why good. we didn't talk about this when we were going on about Nintendo and Pokemon and stuff, but we'll toss it in now that Nintendo has a brand new What's online, online pass. system. Yeah. That was kind of stupid. Usually we got those smooth transitions. We screwed up there. Um, so $20 a year starting in 2018. Uh, it will give a classic game selection, online play, and then voice chat and lobbies are coming in 2018 as well. So do you, do you reckon, this is what I'm most curious about, that Nintendo, because initially this online system was you get access to a free game every month, and then I believe, I don't know, maybe this was speculated, but the the access to that game would be revoked by the end of that month mm. and then you get a new game. Do you think that this all changed because Nintendo saw what Microsoft was doing at Game Pass and said, hey, that's yeah. that's so much better? Yeah. You reckon? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I completely think so. I said to... I made a video about it. I was like, yo, like Game Pass is going to be an industry changer because Origin could have been, but it's limited to EA games. When you do it on a broader yeah. scale with Game Pass... You see right there. <laughs> Look at Nintendo's online thing. I mean, thing. you're kind of right, Maddie. What's EA's um, that vault? Yeah, something? and it's excellent. I'm I'm subscribed to that as yeah. well, and it gives me access so, so, to yeah. all their games. Um, I got which is you know Battlefront. Yeah, it shows that this got, is not a novel idea. Yeah, I got, like, obviously you had Netflix, but this already happened in the game space, just mm-hmm. not on a big scale. Yeah, and so I had. Battlefront, like, I remember I was like, man, I, I kind of missed Dragon Age Origins, and I was just thinking about it, and as I'm scrolling down the, the vault, there it is, you know, there's there's so many games, like, from the past and current that are on the vault, and uh, what, what's excellent about it is that if you're a subscribed member of that, and I hope that the Xbox Game Pass takes this idea, is that you get t- uh, 10 hours of access to a title, um, and then if you buy it, you get it at a discounted price, and I'd love to see Xbox take the exclusives they have, Make them a part of the Game Pass where I get 10 hours with the title. Um, or or maybe, you know, because if it's like Gears of War, 10, 10 hours I can beat the game. <laughs> um, so maybe like yeah. three, four hours, something along those lines. And then let me buy it at a discounted price if I enjoy it. Uh, I think they should do that. Well, a- Xbox Pass. does that, doesn't it? Didn't I thought they did. Like if, if you play a game on Game Pass, you get it discounted. If you yeah, you do it. that. But I'm saying I thought I thought those were games... That were already part of Game Pass, isn't it? I'm I don't know. I'm like I, I, I'm talking like brand new launches for, oh, for Xbox okay. exclusive, exclusive games. We'll say Sea of Thieves, for example. Like 
you get it for 52 bucks now. You get a decent discount for it. And you get like three hours of access beforehand to, to decide if you want to play it. And um, so continue. Well, kind of like... Well, like, well, this is no, but I, I can't say that because Steam's refund system isn't meant to be used as a demo system. Yeah. So it's not really the same. Yeah, I feel you. But I definitely think like Nintendo saw this was like that's a great idea, especially because for Nintendo, yeah, some people buy the classic games. Yeah, they do make money off of that, but they probably don't make an absurd amount of money where it would no. just be beneficial for them to nostalgia people. Be like, yo, we got Super Mario Three here. We got the old Donkey Kong games, and you'll have access to that vault, and it'll continue to grow. Because they have tons of NES games and SNES games to fucking dig through. It's, yeah. it's an excellent idea, and, and they don't lose anything on it. No, uh, and I'm curious about it to see how this works with Virtual Console. Like, I, what this does, obviously, is confirm that Virtual Console will be there in some shape or form. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be called Virtual Console... Um, you know, will all the games that are on Virtual Console be accessible through this kind of Game Pass system? And if they bring GameCube or, to the Virtual Console, not to interrupt you, will that no, be included? No, that, that in was the game a rumor, ball? wasn't it? Like, or that was actually that, that was, confirmed. That was a rumor that you told me about that it was it, yeah, GameCube right. might that's become right. a part of it. And then I just thought, as you were talking about it, I was like, what if part of that classic game collection, like Metroid Prime, that would be awesome. Mm hmm. No, like, you know, I, I, this is the way I, I see it going down. I see there being a certain limited number of titles, like certainly not to the extent of Game Pass on Xbox, but there'll be a certain number of titles that if you get the online system, you'll just get access to, right? But then Virtual Console will still be very, very separate. separate. I, I don't, can't imagine that every single thing on Virtual Console is suddenly free to you if you spend $20 a year on Nintendo's online system or 30 Australian mm. a year. Like... I, I can't imagine that because they'd make more, and you know, people might complain this is price gouging or whatever, but they'd simply make so much more money if they were to even adopt more of an Xbox stance where they were to say, all right, if you if you play this game, you can buy it for a, at a discounted price, but we still need to keep some games off of that because you look at Xbox's Game Pass, there's like there's a lot of games, but there's not you know everything that there. There's still a lot of games that aren't part of that that you can still buy on on the Xbox Online Store. Mm-hmm. So I think that's how Virtual Console is going to operate. Yeah, I agree. I I think though that the the idea is good. I think that'll justify yeah. um, the twenty dollars along with hopefully they fix that archaic chat system. And um, they really need to. They they make a functioning party system. Basically, give us the same thing like PS4 gives us. You know, when it comes to the party system and all that stuff, except instead we get this huge classic game vault, um, especially because it's only 20 bucks a year, at least in the U.S. I mean, that's a I think I pay like $60 a year for um, PS Plus and I think Xbox Live Gold's around the same thing each year as well. So um, Nintendo definitely has the edge in the terms of how much it's going to cost the consumer. Yeah, no, definitely. But obviously, like, there's a big reason why it's twenty dollars versus whatever it is for Xbox garbage. or PlayStation. Because there's a lot of like limitations. Obviously, like yeah. if you if you disregard the price, you look at PlayStation, um, PlayStation Live or whatever it's called, Xbox Gold, and this Nintendo system. Obviously, it's the inferior version, and I think the price reflects that. Um, but it's one of those things that where They'll just improve it. 
you know. I mean, when when first PlayStation and Xbox really started getting into online, they didn't, you know, knock it out straight out of the park. They're, they're going to improve and build on it. Did uh, Do you think fans are going to react negatively to this? In what sense? Because, like, we the already price. knew that the that this was temporarily free, but do you think now, like, it's 20 bucks? we got this funky-looking chat system... You think fans are going to be like, am I really going to pay for that? Like, are you really going to try to convince me? I, the, I think the the general consensus that I've seen on comments, comment boards and stuff is that the price is good. Um, it's it's relatively fair. But the, I guess I could imagine there'd be some that says, well, you want me to pay for what exactly? For the ability to play online mm-hmm. when I can do that now on my Switch, which you can. Like, I can yeah. play online Mario Kart without paying. So, there might be some fans that look at that and say, but suddenly in 2018, you want me to pay more now. Or you want me to pay from nothing to, to $20. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to be doing the exact same thing that I've been doing for the past year. You know, what's the incentive there? So, there, maybe some fans think that there needs to be something else. And, you know, maybe it's a proper voice chat. Maybe it's many more games as part of the Nintendo vault. Um, yeah, I could see that. But I don't think that's the majority view. Yeah. I, I think the price point is so low that most people are, are hoping that by 2018, Nintendo has figured out how to have a functioning chat system that that mm-hmm. works akin to like an Xbox Live party, something along those lines. At least Definitely. my fingers are crossed because, I mean, I have a lot of fans holding out on a Switch because still a lot of details, despite the system being out for about three months now, are up in the air. It's about to be three months tomorrow, right? As we're recording this, it's yeah. June third. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, that's not that long, is it? No, I feel like it's been so much more longer. Yeah, than I that. agree. I mean, they've been doing a good job rolling out games each month. <laughs> each month, wait. wait I, they, but you know what? This is going to be my bold prediction. They're going to announce Virtual Console D three. I, I don't think it's going to happen, but let's let's go crazy with it. They're going to announce Virtual Console what else as part of their you, direct. Uh, <clears throat> expecting from Nintendo at E three. Obviously, we'll see more of Odyssey. I think it's on the show floor. Hell yes. Uh, Splatoon 2, they'll have a bit of a focus on that. Hmm. I don't know what it is. I, I just think they have one other big title in hand. Maybe Pokemon. Maybe. Uh, I doubt. Yeah, it would be fun, uh, right? But Super Mario I think Odyssey it, and Pokemon. Oh, my God. But, dude, if it was just Splatoon and Super Mario, which games that we already know about, then I don't think, like, Nintendo needs more than that. So they need a Pokemon or they need a virtual console. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm curious because Microsoft needs to have a home run E3. So does Nintendo. Sony will. Bethesda's pretty silent and Ubisoft is, oh God. They, they have a lo- Ubisoft have a lot of games, man. Yeah. They have, what, Far Cry, Assassins, um... They had this video they that they were showing a, a bunch of stuff. Like they had Steep, I think, last year. Like yeah, apparently they, they do have a new IP. They always yeah. have a new IP, so I'm sure that'll be it. Maybe Beyond Good and Evil. Did you watch their teaser video where they kind of have a, a bunch of things like cut out? Mm. I think that indicates they'll have a new IP. Or also oh, wasn't as well. there that so Watch Dogs 2 Easter egg about like a, a new IP? You, you, there was a side quest. You hack into someone's house or something and, and it's like a game developer and there's a game trailer in there and like it's a Ubisoft game trailer inside oh, no, the game. That. Yeah. And and so I bet that that game is the new IP. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Okay. 
But you know what I really like about the Ubisoft press conference? I think they're having the developers do the presenting. Really? Which is awesome. I think you should like at least try and find so the no best more of that uh, uh, woman. What was her Aisha name? Taylor? Yeah. Which I didn't, you know, I didn't really care um, who, who she was, but I think when you're having someone talk about a game, I think it's always best to have like the most well-spoken developer there. Yeah. Because they're going to know the game better than anyone else. I think that, you know, in, in any circumstance, like when I um, if there's a movie being shown, for instance, and, and someone's presenting about it, I'd rather have someone that's worked on the movie mm-hmm. than just knows like loosely about it. Yeah, so. I agree. I mean, that's that's definitely a good sign, too. Is is Assassin's mm. Creed... Was that... Did I read it was getting delayed until 2018, apparently? Apparently, it is releasing in 2018, Ugh. yeah. So that and but fucking Far Cry. So what, what are them set up to be delayed again already? <laughs> Everything. That's a, that's Everything a fact. That's delayed. a fact. They literally put both of them in fucking early 2018. I'm like, yeah. So one of them's getting delayed because you're not going to release two of your juggernauts on top of each other. That's weird, though. Then what is Ubisoft going to do in 2017? I don't know. To be honest, I don't know. Maybe no. I think the rumors were that Assassin's Creed's going 2018, but maybe they could surprise us and saying it's coming later this year and then delay it in like August. Maybe. Just watch. <laughs> it's going to be great, though. Like, So we know it's called Origins now. It's going to be set in ancient Egypt. It's going to talk about the the actual establishment of the Assassin's Creed. And I think I was talking about this on a video of mine the other day. Usually when people are asked the question, you know, where should I start with the Assassin's Creed? People usually say two, not one. Mm-hmm. And I completely agree because that game was repetitive and just not fun. Yeah. Well, it was, but, you know, it, when you play it again, which I did recently, no. Yeah. But... If Origins, because it is talk, talking about the foundation story of the Assassins, and it's fun, that game could become like the game that you need to play first, mm-hmm. and then number two. Because it, we, I, as far as I know, there hasn't really been an Assassin's Creed game that has talked about how the actual Assassin's Creed started. You kind of just put into this creed, and you, you kind of get you know, hints here and there as to how it began, but we never really knew and I think this is going to be great potential. Yeah, I think they realized the story kind of went off track with uh, Desmond or whatever his name is and all that shit. Yeah. So I think, yeah. yeah, creating just the new origin story is pretty necessary. And then maybe going forward from there, if the game does well, I'm sure that's their plan. No. And, and I think, you know, after they've had those Assassin's Creed games that, you know, were kind of glitchy and, and didn't work out too well, this could be effectively the reboot of Assassin's Creed. You, you probably wouldn't call it that, but maybe ubisoft is viewing it that way it's called origins you know like in in both name and also plot this game is really going back to the roots effectively so yeah well that is all the news we have is there anything else you'd like to toss in there no no i'm just i'm getting so excited for ether yeah cannot wait crawling up and i'm sure we'll hear more leaks and rumors as time goes on i wouldn't be surprised if over like next week that's when we're going to hear shit. Because then after that, it's E3 next weekend, right? Mm-hmm. And Should be good. Hoping to get Shinobi on. I'll, I'll message him and ask. Fingers crossed. Yep. All right. Well, Lone, thank you for your time. Carrick? <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, Carrick. Thank you for joining. <laughs> he actually messaged us on Twitter. Oh, he really? He's like, yeah, he said, sorry, guys. Had a bit of a small issue with the power. Okay. And it just popped back up. So he had a power issue. Okay. All right. No so problem. the hashtag for this podcast is power issue power. hashtag power, power issue, issue. 
Why, why, wait, <laughs> why power, power issue? Yeah, I was going to say power, power outage. outage. Hashtag power outage. I love he this. said issue. That's fine. I love this hashtag <laughs> thing because it, it's so rewarding to see how many people listen at the end and, and just seeing what they think about the ridiculous hashtag we've come up with. Mm. But you you guys have to remember tag Carrick mm. hashtag power outage yeah. to see what he says. Just be like, what the <laughs> fuck? What's wrong with everyone? Were you talking about me, bro? <laughs> Anyway, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Lone, thank you again for your time. And we will catch you in next week's episode. Peace. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.